Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. It's good to be with you. We all have a desire to know what is our purpose in life. Why are we even here? What's the meaning? And the Bible teaches us that we are image bearers of God. All humanity bears the image of God, which means we all have a distinct purpose that God created us for. So perhaps you're here this morning really wrestling with what is your purpose? I found myself in that situation about a year after graduating from Lancaster Bible College. Um, shortly after that time period, I worked at the Reading Hospital as a patient transporter. I graduated with a Bible degree and a student ministry degree. Tara and I got married in August after graduating from college. And so our mission was to focus on the first year of our marriage before going into full-time ministry. And so that was our plan. That's what we had in mind, so we could get a great start in our marriage and then into ministry. And so I was working at the Reading Hospital, transporting patients, taking care of patients. And it was an awesome time to see God use me in that role um, to further his kingdom in the hospital. But that year mark came around pretty quickly. And so we decided to start putting our names in to different churches as opportunities arose. And so put my name in, went through the process, made it really far, and then on repeat, it happened a handful of times. I'd get a call back that would say, Jeremy, we really like you, we really like Tara, but the other person had more experience than you. And so I'm sorry, but we're gonna be selecting the other candidate. That happened on repeat. And I remember having a conversation with God. You called me to student ministry. I put these resumes, I've gone through the process, and the door keeps shutting, and I'm told it's because you don't have enough experience. Who's gonna give me an experience so I can have experience? And that was my conversation with the Lord, and I was faced with a decision to make right in that moment. I could say, Lord, you called me, and this isn't happening. I could get angry at God. I could get angry at the Reading Hospital because I just cannot leave this hospital. I could just get bitter to everybody. That's option one. Or option two is, God, I know you called me to ministry. I know your hand is on me here at the Reading Hospital. I'm just gonna be your instrument for as long as I'm here. Whatever that time is, whether it's one year or 10 years, just use me as an instrument in your hands. And thankfully, after prayer and godly counsel, I made the second decision there. And God used my hands to care for so many people at the hospital. And I could share stories for hours with you about what God did inside the doors of the Reading Hospital. But I'll just share one with you if that's okay. There was a patient named Suzanne. Suzanne had so many illnesses, so many diseases. She was in really rough shape. She was one of the patients we would call a frequent flyer. She could never leave the walls of the hospital. And with all her suffering, she became a really hard personality to care for. 
And so the way our job worked is you get somebody's name that would come on your pager. I know I just dated myself, but for those of you who know what a pager is, her name would come up, and then we would go to her room, transport her to whatever test she was going for. A lot of my coworkers would try to pass her call off to somebody else or try to rush through her call just to get away from her. And because my prayer every morning was, God, use me as an instrument in your hands to further your kingdom right inside these walls, God allowed me to see her as an image bearer of God, um, as a child that's created in God's image. And so after some time, a relationship built with Suzanne that was really sweet. It was hard initially, um, but over time, since I had her a lot of times as a transport, um, the walls started breaking down. I even got to hear Suzanne laugh which was amazing for what she was going through. Fast forward, the door finally opened for Tara and I for a, a church position, and we moved to Wisconsin. And it wasn't long after I was there, and it was hard to leave this place. I remember leaving Reading Hospital with tears in my eyes because I just witnessed the hand of God at work. But I got a message on social media from a name I did not recognize, and it said, hey, Jeremy, I'm Suzanne's daughter. I just want to let you know Suzanne passed away. She talked about somebody at the hospital all the time that cared and loved for her, and I had to find out who it was. So she did all this research and found me in Wisconsin just to say, my mom loved and appreciated everything you did. I don't know if Suzanne put her trust and faith in Christ. We talked about a lot of things, including Christ, and so I hope one day that I'll be able to say hello to Suzanne again in eternity. And so the choice was, do I do the same thing that so many of my coworkers were doing? Just try to pass Suzanne off? Just try to get this call done as soon as possible? Or the decision, okay, God, this is your child made in your image, and she is suffering and needs the love of Christ. Use me to carry that message of hope. And God did some incredible work. That's just one story from the hospital. So you might be here thinking, Jeremy, that's awesome. I love hearing stories like that, but that's not happening in my life. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my meaning is. We're gonna discover in our text this morning that God's gonna help us to see what each purpose is for all of us. We have the same purpose, but it's also gonna address two different things. The first thing is, have you really died to sin? Have you truly died to sin? Is sin dead in your life? And then the second thing is, have you presented yourself to God to be an instrument in his hands? So we're gonna uncover this together, but if you're wondering what your purpose is, you're about to find out. So turn with me to Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six. We're gonna be looking at verse 11. We are continuing our series called Immersed in Grace as we work through the book of Romans. I hope that you all have been encouraged, challenged as we've done this study. Last week we were given the challenge to say to sin, I'm dead to you. Whatever sin is the one we really wrestle with, sin, I'm dead to you. This week we're gonna build on that truth and add to it. So let's unpack our text together, looking at verse 11 of Romans chapter 6. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dead to sin is what the Bible says here. That's what we must consider ourselves. The Greek word for dead is nekros. 
And the word translates really well into our English language as dead, or could also be said without life. Earlier I mentioned that I had the joy of working at the Reading Hospital, interacting with patients, but there was one very difficult part of the job. If any of the patients were to pass away, transporters would be the ones to show up, help the nurse get the body um, taken care of to go to the morgue. It was by far the worst part of the job. Um, it was whenever a call like that came in, you just kind of like, I don't know, you had a different reaction to that call than any other one. Um, and the hardest part for me was I couldn't interact with that patient anymore. Right? I would talk with the patients that I was transporting to x-ray, but if I was taking them to the morgue, there was no interaction. Right? Because a person was dead. They were without life. And Paul says that you and I should have the same relationship with sin. It should be dead to us. There shouldn't be any interaction with us. Just like I couldn't interact with that patient anymore, us who are redeemed in Christ shouldn't have a, re a relationship with sin. There's no response. And if the Bible's instructing us, that means that that can happen. That can be in place in your life. You can be dead to sin. Wouldn't it be wonderful, church, if our response and temptation, response to sin and temptation was to give no ground to our enemy? Can you imagine what life would look like if that were true? We're dead to sin, but we are alive in God, in Christ Jesus. So two weeks ago, we learned that all of us are born into sin. We all are aligned behind the first Adam, right? So first Adam in Genesis 3 plunged all of humanity into sin. We called that original sin. All of us plunged into sin along with Adam. And so that means we are separated from God. We're without hope. And so all of humanity was in that situation but then we learn that you can transfer from the line of Adam to the line of Christ through the work that Jesus did on Calvary's cross, paying your sin debt so that you could have life in him. So that transfer happens when God opens our eyes and we put our faith and trust in Christ. We recognize our sin and Christ's forgiveness offered freely to them. And when you put belief, and I'll take you back some months ago, the word belief means absolute trust not just a knowledge of God, but absolute trust. You're saying, Jesus, my life is yours. It's best in your hands, not my own. Absolute trust. When that takes place, you transfer from death to life. So brothers and sisters, believers in Christ, you are alive in God, to God, in Christ Jesus. And that is a glorious, wonderful truth. Because if we're alive, it means we can make decisions when we're dead in our sins and trespasses, you cannot make any decisions other than obeying the passions of our flesh and the enemy, the devil. But when we're alive in God, we can make decisions whether to honor God or dishonor God. So God's word's now going to show this decision that we have before us. Let's investigate verse 12, Romans 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to obey, to make you obey its passions. A very important observation that we see right here. We are alive to Christ. We should be dead to sin. We have the opportunity to live for Christ, but the very next verse, we're told to not let sin reign in us, making us obey its passions. 
what is going on here? Because we are raised in Christ, it does not make you and I immune to the attacks of the enemy. Because you put faith in Jesus, it doesn't mean, okay, everything's gonna just be great, not gonna deal with battle sin anymore. If anything, it puts a greater target on you. The enemy wants to take us out. So we are not immune to the attacks of the enemy. Roman believers, who this book's written to, and to us as well, are admonished to stop giving any ground to the enemy, to the adversary, the enemy of our souls. See, Roman believers face the same battle that we face today. It might look different, but the enemy uses the same blueprint that he's used years ago to attack us. He wants to lure us and tempt us with whatever sins we battle and struggle with. There's an illustration I wanna show you that helps us understand sin's relationship with us. We got this chain, you're probably wondering what's it up here for, if you could see it. And so this chain represents our bondage to sin. So every person that's in line with Adam, that the transfer hasn't happened, is bound to their sin. If I try to break this chain, I'm not strong enough, but let's see. Dave Laidman is out there, but even he cannot break these chains and bondage of sin, right? We are dead in our trespasses and sins, which means we're not really looking to get free at all, right? We're dead. We cannot make a decision to seek God, to honor God. And so this is our condition in sin. And here's the part that I just wanna pause. This is the condition of so many people I love and care about, right? I have family members, I have friends, I have teens that are in our youth group. This is their condition. They are imprisoned to sin. What should that do for us? We should tell them about Christ, right? Because it's only through Christ that these chains can be broken. And so when he went to Calvary's cross, he lived the perfect life, came, he dwelt amongst us. He went then to the cross, offered himself as a sacrifice. He was mocked, ridiculed, beaten, spit on, tortured, eventually nailed to a cross, pay a debt that he shouldn't have had to pay, wrongly accused. He paid it, and what did he say when he was on the cross there? He said, it is finished. The debt's been paid. And when you put belief and absolute trust in Christ, that transfer happens, and those chains are gone. They just drop. You're no longer shackled to the sin that once destroyed you. You're free from it. Christ has set the captive free. Your allegiance now is to the king, and you're a child of God. The illustration sounds wonderful, right? It's a cool way to show what Christ has done, but there's a sad reality with it. So many children of God go right back to the chains, even though they're no longer locked. They go and put the shackles back on and bond themselves to sin again. It's for this reason God's word says, let not sin reign in your mortal body. You are a freed person. Why go back to your previous enslavement when you have Christ? As a pastor, youth pastor, it breaks my heart to see so many who are free go right back to the pig pen of sin. 
They go back and dabble and enslave themselves again. Do not let sin make you obey its passions. You're alive. Stop pretending to be dead in sin. God's word then moves on to give us a real practical illustration to help us understand this biblical truth more. Look at verse 13 with me. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. When the Bible uses the term members here, it's talking about many members that make up our body. Right? Many members make up our body. We all have choices to make each and every day, and we can choose to honor God with our bodies or we can choose to dishonor God. And if I asked you, it's an obvious question, but if I asked you all, which would you prefer? Would you prefer to be an instrument for unrighteousness, for evil, or would you prefer to be an instrument for righteousness, for good? If I asked us to raise our hands, hopefully 100% of us would say, I wanna be used for good, for righteousness sake, to further God's kingdom. It's easy to say that, right? But what if we really examined our heart of hearts? What if we really took a look at what's going on? Douglas Moo says this, the battle is a spiritual one, but it is fought and won or lost in the daily decisions the believer makes about how to use his or her body. So let's make this personal. Are we presenting our eyes for righteousness or unrighteousness? You might ask, what are you looking at when no one else is around? Are your eyes looking for opportunities to serve someone? Or are your eyes looking for opportunities to judge someone? Are we presenting our tongues for righteousness or unrighteousness? What are you saying when you're with others? Are you building one another up? Or are you tearing an image bearer of God down? Are you looking for the next juicy piece of gossip? Or are you looking for a way to share Christ with a world that's in desperate, desperate need of hope? Are we presenting our hands for righteousness or unrighteousness? Are your hands serving in ministry to others? Or are your hands being utilized to further your own desires? Are you looking for opportunities to make eternal investment or worldly investment? Are we presenting our minds for righteousness or unrighteousness? When evil thoughts enter our minds, what is our response? What do we do with them? Do we engage with the evil thought and go down a path we shouldn't go? Or do we rebuke those thoughts and bring scripture to our minds? We could go on and on at each member of our body. Are they being used for righteousness or unrighteousness? The language used here, it's very possible that this is a military metaphor. What does that mean? It's saying that God's, God's word is saying, don't present your body as a weapon for evil. Don't present your body to the adversary, the devil, so he can use you for evil. If you're a child of God, it doesn't make sense for you to give your body for an evil cause. That's inconsistent. Your allegiance is with Christ. Don't give an opportunity to the devil 
who's looking to destroy and devour every single one of us. That is his mission. And I have learned over my time in ministry that the devil's main attack on a child of God, on us, is to make us ineffective. Right? He cannot snatch you from Christ's hands. Jesus is way more powerful. But what he can do is make you ineffective for God. And so if he's trapping you in sin, it takes away your effectiveness for the kingdom of God. So here's your choice. You and I can present ourselves as weapon for evil, or we can present ourselves as weapons for God against evil. The decision is in your hands, and this leads to our big point, our purpose, and our purpose is to be an instrument in the Redeemer's hands. That is what you and I exist for, to be his instrument to further his kingdom in the Redeemer's hands. We all got to witness what this looks like when someone presents themselves as an instrument for righteousness. This tank's been filled quite a bit lately, hasn't it? Pretty awesome to see, right? And one of the joys that I've had in seeing this tank filled up is so many of my youth leaders are right there in the tank with these students. Our youth leaders have presented themselves as instruments for righteousness. They aren't on the payroll. They dedicate their time, their effort, often with tears in their eyes as they walk through some of the darkest things that these teens are going through. And they are saying, Jesus, use me to further your kingdom in the lives of these young people. And so the way baptisms work is I meet with these students and I say, hey, you have an opportunity where you can have one person join you if you wish in the tank with you and I. And it's so cool when they say, I want my youth leader. Like the joy that floods my, my soul when I see that because it means my youth leaders are impacting lives for eternity. It's such a joy. And when I get to be there when the student asks the youth leader, it's such a special time. And so my youth leaders are presenting themselves as instruments in the Redeemer's hands. Um, another example, last week I was up here during second service for announcements and I said, our youth group has a need. We've been growing quick. We have a lot of students going to camp. We need a bus to transport us back, to rent a bus to take us back and forth. We don't have the funds because we didn't think that that was gonna happen where we we're gonna need a bus. And so I said, we need help. Before I could even leave the church building um, after second service, I had a text message on my phone that says, let me quote it correctly, I want to take care of it. That person is an instrument in the Redeemer's hands just saying, Lord, use my finances. This is a way that I can bless you. Bless me. Here's an opportunity. I want to bless the student ministry and the work that you're doing. That person could have used the funds on so many different things, but they said, I want to support the student ministry and what God's doing. They're an instrument for righteousness. See, the opportunities for this are endless. I just gave you two, but they're endless because we serve an infinite God who is very creative. And so there are so many different ways that you and I can serve Christ. And so when we wake up each morning and say, God, use us as your instruments, you'll be amazed at the ways that God's gonna work in your life. Maybe it's taking the time to write a card to someone going through a difficult time. 
maybe a hard medical diagnosis, and you take the time to handwrite something to them, point them to scripture, I know I've received some real timely cards that really changed my day, my week, my month, my year, my life. Maybe it's doing that for somebody. You could change eternity. I think of our GP quilters who spend a lot of time. They're often behind the scenes. You don't hear from them often because they like to do their thing behind the scenes and not get recognition. But they're crafting these beautiful quilts and they're being sent to people that are in need. So that's a way that they're using their hands for righteousness sake. Maybe it's sponsoring a man for the men's retreat or a woman for the women's retreat so that they can be there to hear God's truth and to have the fellowship with other godly people. Maybe it's taking someone out to lunch, building a relationship that could change eternity for them. Maybe it's serving in our nursery so that parents can come into the service and be equipped for the very busy week that they're gonna be experiencing ahead of them. Maybe it's taking or inviting a family and friends to church so they can take part in our wonderful Grace Point community. And one for Dave here. Yes, even getting in the dunk tank at Family Fun Fest, offering your body as a sacrifice <laughs> unto the Lord as you repeatedly get dunked. Even that is a way to say, Lord, use me. No hot tub. Paul David Tripp says this, and I think it's such a wonderful quote for us to consider. He says this, embedded in the larger story of redemption is a principle we must not miss. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things in the lives of others. You know, often I'll hear, you're a pastor, like, can you share the gospel with them? And if you read Paul David Tripp's book, he says, you're fully equipped. Let me help you share the gospel with with this person. And so our purpose is to be an instrument in the Redeemer's hands. I want you to dream with me. If all the believers in Christ presented ourselves as instruments in God's hands rather than the enemies, can you imagine the revival that would take place in our nation? If our prayer every morning as the people of God was use us as your instruments, can you imagine what this world would look like? Imagine what Newtown would look like. It would be completely transformed as the people of God serve Christ. Verse 14 wraps up our text. For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under law but under grace. Sin is no longer your master. You've been purchased by Christ and it was a costly payment. His life sacrificed for us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. The price was Christ's life for us to live. So we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, and if we're indwelled, meaning the Holy Spirit takes up residence with any who believe, where is there room for sin to have dominion over us? He's gotta go if the Holy Spirit is in us, right? There's no place for sin to have dominion. And yet, all too often, I see believers in Christ go right back to the chains when sin no longer has dominion over them. So where do we go? So we wrap up our time together this morning. Where do we go from here? Statistically speaking, there are many in this room that do not know Christ. Just from pure statistics, in this room there are many that do not know Christ, that have not put 
absolute trust in Jesus for their salvation. If that's you, I encourage you to put your trust in the saving power of Christ today. Think of these chains. He is the only one that can set the captive free. So if you repent of your sin, that means you turn away from your sin. You confess that you need Jesus Christ in your life. You deny yourself and you follow him. I like the sound that these made. If you do that, that's pretty cool. The chains break and you are set free and you can have life eternal. And then you can say, God, use me as an instrument in your hands. For those of us who know Christ, ask God to search your heart. Ask him to reveal any sin in your life that you keep going back to. Sometimes we can be blind to this. Ask God to show you and reveal and to remind you that sin has no dominion over you. And ask him, to be an, ask him to use you as an instrument in his hands. And then watch. The opportunities are gonna pop up all over the place. And ask God, give me boldness to take advantage of these opportunities that you present. I have two takeaways for us. Two challenges to leave us on. First, there's a book that changed my life. The whole point, uh, the main point for today is rooted in this book. It's Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by Paul David Tripp. I purchased a handful of copies. This book changed the way I see a lot of things. And I think it would encourage many of your hearts. And so I want to provide the opportunity for you to read it. I have a few copies available. So to see me after the service if you're interested. And I would love to get it into your hands. Secondly, there's a sheet on your chairs. As Daryl and the worship team play this last song, I want you to fill in this short answer prompt. Um, we're gonna have someone come around with uh, pencils that you can just raise your hand if you need to grab a pencil from us. But this is between you and the Lord. And I want you to keep your response in a place that you will see throughout the week. So after you fill out this prompt, I'm gonna encourage you to stand up after you filled it out or if you wanna take it with you and spend more time thinking about it, I want you then to stand and join the worship team. The prompt is this. It's from last week, because I'm in Christ, Whatever sin you battle, I'm dead to you. So if it's lust, I'm dead to you. If it's gossip, if it's slander, if it's a, an angry tongue, cursing, self-righteousness, I'm dead to you. Then the next one is this week, I'm going to not present my members as instruments of unrighteousness by what? What are you doing? What are you gonna give up and say, I'm not gonna go back to the pig pen of sin by doing this? And so maybe if it's your phone's a problem, it's I'm gonna put my phone away and I'm gonna just be present with the Lord. And the last one is this week I'm gonna present my members as instruments of righteousness by what? What are you gonna do? Who are you gonna share Christ with? You're gonna write a card to somebody? You're gonna say, hey, even just today, this morning, I had somebody say, you have a need for the youth leader's kids to be watched? I wanna do it. What, a, what an awesome thing that I got to see this person presenting themselves as an instrument of righteousness. And so let me pray, and then we're gonna have the worship team lead us. Dear God, we thank you so much. We thank you for the salvation that only you provide. For those that don't know you, they're still enslaved to these chains of sins. They're in bondage. I pray that today might be the day of salvation for them, that you would free them, that they put their absolute trust in you, and then they'd ask you to use them as an instrument in your hands. For those of us that know you, Lord, 
I pray every morning that we would say, God, our hands are yours, our minds are yours, our eyes are yours. Use us as you see fit. Use us as your instruments. Would you just bless this time where we get to reflect and then sing this song unto you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.